0: Hello, friends, and welcome to There's No People Like Show People, the podcast that connects and reconnects the theater community, inspires hope, and strives to help people not feel so alone. I am your host, Sarah Filibon. So before we, before I, I mean, I literally just officially hit the record button And I would say about 15 minutes before that happened, I messaged our next guest and I said, hold on, I got to put my popcorn away. (laughs) That's where we're at today. We're eating popcorn and I'm like, that's true. And I'm like picking the kernels out of my teeth, which thank God you can't see that. Welcome back to... (laughs) A a very, what I like to call down to earth, keeping it real episode of there's no people like show people. I am so thrilled for our next guest. She is a superhero because we have known each other for such a long time. We went to Shenandoah Conservatory together back in the day. Yes, go Uh, Hornets. Yes, SU, yes, you can. And she, I have to say, she is an actress. She is based out of Orlando, Florida. She currently, she is still performing and she sings with the Voices of Liberty at Disney World. And guys, like we I'm sure once this airs, she will already have two beautiful babies in her arms, but she is currently 33 weeks pregnant with twins. Woo! yes, girl, you are correct wins oh my goodness welcome to the podcast Kelly Morris Rowan
1: how are you thank you so much oh Sarah I'm so good it's so nice to reconnect with you and be here today uh yeah I'm good as I when people often ask my answer nowadays is I'm real pregnant um <laughs> but it is like you said it's it's this really wonderful weird rare gift right now uh to be performing in what was still the pandemic and to be performing while pregnant. It's been a crazy journey, but overall, you know, uh, I can't complain. We're in the, the, the time that it's nice to live in Florida when everyone else is still a little chilly or coming out of snowy or like wet spring weather. And we've been at our poolside for about a month now. Um, so it's the only time you can brag about living in Florida really, because <laughs> then it just turns into eternal summer for the rest of the year. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's good. I'm, I'm good. Happy to be here
0: um that I think it is so amazing that you are still performing I I performed for the first six like I think I made it up to 26 weeks pregnant and I was still performing and then after that I was like okay (laughs) I need to take a break
1: (laughs) right well and it seems it's an interesting uh I don't know if the word, right word would be conundrum, of that my performing job, unlike when I, I've had, I've kind of run the gamut of performance jobs uh, with regional theater to theme park work, to part, part-time part theme park work, to full-time theme park work, um, where you have the situation that you are actually, I'm contracted to perform five days a week, which is amazing, what a gift. And you know something that when you are only part-time, you kind of hope will happen. and. It's actually one of those things you get to a point and you go, wait a minute, what if I want to be done performing for a little while <laughs> because my feet are swelling and I look like a boat um, and yet I'm still capable of performing. So that's actually been the most interesting balance for me. You know, it's not quite the same freedom of, you know what, I don't think I'm going to take that next show or I'm going to just pause auditioning for a while or I'm just going to switch to voiceovers for a bit type of freedom that you have. Um But I have, I've been very lucky that, you know, my managers are being flexible and and they keep checking in. They're like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I thought, you know, the more they ask that, I think, do I not look okay? Um, (laughs) But uh, we do a perform now and things have changed. Voices of Liberty used to be the show that, I mean, you could make a joke about it, that you could sing until the day your water broke because we just put on a beautiful costume and you walked about, oh, I don't know, 30 yards and stood in a circle and you sang and then you walked back 30 yards and then you were sitting on a couch for your break and you do that seven sets a day and you were done. Whereas because of COVID, we are now performing outdoors, um, which is great that we have the space to do it, but we are in the same break space. We now have about a quarter mile plus, maybe half a mile walk just to get to our stage. And now we're on the big, if for anyone who's ever been to Disney world, there's a big um, outdoor amphitheater at Epcot uh the america gardens theater were performing on that stage all spread out and with movement (laughs) with stairs and movement and musical theater kelly is all about a little step touch and you know a rock step and little choreo bits here and there uh musical theater pregnant kelly would really love the days of walking 30 yards and standing still to sing um So it's, it's definitely been, I I don't know that I would still be performing if I wasn't in a situation where it was my job, like five days a week to do it. I think at this point, I probably would be taking it a little easier and shifting more towards, let me help you behind the table with casting, or let me help you with voiceovers. Um, But silver lining to that has been, I've had, I mean, a a very healthy pregnancy and uh, I'm still probably far more active than I would be if I didn't have work to go to five days a week. Um, And it's just been this real blessing that I still get to sing and perform and connect with an audience. And I'm now finding more and more ways to have some fun as a performer telling the story. You know, we always try to communicate our songs. I mean, I'm in a group that is primarily a vocal group designed to connect through music, but I consider myself actually an actor first and a vocalist second. And because of that, I find so much satisfaction telling the story of these songs, even simple little songs like America, the beautiful telling the story of, you know, Oh, beautiful for spacious skies for amber waves of grain the amber waves of grain type of thing. But we also have songs like princess and the frog and we sing almost there. And let me tell you, I lean in to pointing right at this beautiful belly when I sing, you know, almost there every time. And I hear the chuckles in the audience with the knowing claps from a mom in the back row or, you know, the kids going, oh, she's going to have a baby. And Then if they meet me after and I say it's two, I blow their minds. But <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I'm rambling, but that's, it, that's all to say that, yes, I am still performing. Um, I enjoy, I, I get a kick now out of the comments that I get afterwards, which are kind of, um oh you're due any day now and I go no four more weeks it's twins they go oh my god <laughs> um but i'm i'm just very grateful that i have very supportive castmates and uh <laughs> very supportive undercarments <laughs> <laughs> and i just take this belly out for a spin five days a week mhm
0: that's right. Well, and I have just been, man, you have been so honest uh, on like Facebook, on social media about your pregnancy journey with twins. And it has been such an inspiration to me because watching your journey and your pictures and sort of like, you know, you're very real about it because I, I think it's so easy to go on social media and pretend like, oh, I'm just happy all the time. And everything is sunshine and rainbows and, and wonderful. And I feel like anyone who has been pregnant (laughs) let me just you know that it is not all sunshine and rainbows like it's also painful and it's it is so exhausting like i i you know, I'm like trying to imagine, like I grew one human and was tired all the time, but growing two humans, you know, it's like, d- to me, I would imagine it would be double the exhaustion, but like watching your, you know, you showing the ups and the downs and the joys and the struggles, it has really inspired me to, sh- to be vocal and be honest and share my single mom journey on social media.
1: Oh, I'm so glad that's, that's huge. I mean, that, this part of, that's part of why I wanted to do it was, you know, I, I think anyone, and I never, I don't think any woman fully appreciates what it means to be pregnant until you are. And, but I don't think that means we need to deny women of trying to learn that experience with, if that makes any sense, yeah. meaning that of course there's just some things you can't understand until you experience them. That's anything in life. Um, but I, I do feel like sometimes there's a bit of a, I don't even want to say a hush hush approach, but there's so many aspects of, of womanhood that have been just Kept in the dark, and in some ways, it's done out of respect and a sacred time. And I, I in no way want to negate if that's how people feel about it. Um, but I just, I think it's the actor in me. Like I want to storytell, and I want to absorb other people's stories. And you know, I don't know if I will. I, I don't know if I'll ever experience what it's like to be a single mom. I'm in a very happy marriage, so I hope not. But you never know. And I can take from your story, Sarah. And I also, you know. I hope I don't deal with grief in a younger part of my life, but I very well might, and I can learn from other people sharing their stories of grief. And I had there's one friend who's down here, and well, two friends actually who've had twins down here. And ironically, we all do one of the same shows at Universal Studios, which is crazy. <laughs> so there was clearly something in the water at some point for all three of us to have twins. Um, but I remember when I was processing, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have twins, and I'm staring at you know, not flat belly. I never had a flat belly, but you know, my smaller belly and thinking, am I going to explode? How's this going to happen? Am I going to, can I continue to perform? And I remembered thinking that my friend, um, she performed until about 32 weeks pregnant with twins. And she was posting a few belly pictures on her Facebook page. And so I went back, man, and used every search tool I could find on social media to look up her pictures found them because they were from about four years ago now and took so much comfort in seeing someone even though it was just really just the pictures I mean the title of the album was watch as twins take over my body <laughs> and I took so much comfort in seeing her just pictures and thinking well if this small woman could grow to humans I can I can do that okay and then also you don't often share pregnancy stories during the first trimester, because there is a lot, you know, that risk of miscarriage that is so just personal and sensitive for women and well, everyone for all different reasons. But I started to realize that I thought I wanted to share my story because if anything went wrong, I'd want to share that story too, Mm -hmm. rather than have not shared my story and then need to struggle or grieve alone. Um, And especially because I knew I had this rare opportunity to continue performing. I mean, if look, if I was in a Broadway musical, which come on back, Broadway musicals, I can't wait, um, but I wouldn't be able to perform looking like this. That's just not feasible for the demands of a show like that. Um, But I am in luckily a, a spot where I can, and I thought if I can continue to, I don't know, rely on my own strength to do that and then share that with others maybe that will inspire other people to realize that they can but also still empower them to go no but it's hard and if you can't that's okay too Mm -hmm. um so I don't know I'm so glad to hear that it's being well received and I and, and the selfish part of it for me is that I'm terrible at physically writing things down like I love the idea of journaling but man do I not do it um and yet I can sit down at my, you know, well, at my phone or at a computer and just type like it's nothing. I think it's because we, I'm, I'm that weird, like Oregon trail generation that started off with like analog, everything in paper, but quickly got all of the computer games to play Oregon trail and cell phones. And we went from Walkmans to Discmans to, you know, I, I have experienced the gamut of analog into full digital. So it meant all of my papers were done on a computer and it was so much faster to learn how to type so i don't know maybe it's my own digital way of trying to write monologues is to you know weekly share my twin story right now
0: well like i am a, i am following along on that twin story i truly am like i feel like i've seen all the posts and i'm like wow this is in, like i just like i'm uh, inspired but also in truly in awe in awe oh and God. like and if anyone can do it it's you kelly like truly Oof.
1: You know, it's funny, people will say that. And I just go, I don't know what that means. Meaning I don't know what I have done to make people think that's true. But I'm grateful that people think that's true. Because I often end up taking my strength from people saying, if anybody can do it, it's you. And I'll be like, okay, I'm gonna believe you. Like,
0: like, well yeah because because you're such a strong powerful person okay. oh, that, that's why you can do it strong powerful resilient courageous brave those are all the words that I would use to describe Kelly Morris Rowan
1: <laughs> well that's very kind And I definitely if I for me to receive that it means to also acknowledge all of the people and steps and theater and jobs and along the way that have let me find that within myself so mm-hmm. I feel very lucky for that
0: Well, and I even remember, you know, going back to our Shenandoah days, Mm -hmm. I had always, I was a freshman when you were a senior, I'd always looked up to you and you were such a hard worker and so positive. Um, And I remember we would have these, like, I don't even know if you remember this, but these random late night conversations at Walmart.
1: (laughs) Walmart. Oh my gosh. I'd forgotten that. But yes, I mean, I did that, I, well, because I also, uh, prior to that, my junior year, I had dated um, a, a guy in our program who was absolutely wonderful, um, and he, uh, we would have late night conversations, and he inspired me so much to, like, want to talk about theater and life and everything, so that just, I'd forgotten at Walmart, but I do remember us chatting a whole bunch, so that's awesome.
0: I think we would just randomly, you know, the Walmart was, like, 24 hours in Winchester, yep. and that's just where you oh. run into people. <laughs> The place to be, man. Come on. It was the Walmart of the IHOP. <laughs>
1: yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> well, you are not originally from Florida. No. So where I, uh, where did you grow up and how did you get into theater?
1: Well, I grew up in uh, Lynchburg, Virginia, believe it or not. And Lynchburg, Virginia is often known for uh, Liberty University or Thomas Road Baptist Church. But that was not my story in Lynchburg, Virginia. I was a, a Catholic, which led to some fun conversations when They would ask me if I was saved and I'd go, what does that mean? And I I was like, Oh, I'm Catholic. And they go, okay, you do your own thing. Um, And that is not a dig on anyone from Thomas Road. It was more learning the culture of different religions at a young age or or different denominations, excuse me. And, uh, but I, I always say it was a great place to grow up and a great place to leave. And I don't say that with any bitterness. It was more, I got this beautiful, um, kind of hometown feel. I got to know everybody in my community and I got to start doing theater there in a high school that did have a fair amount of diversity, which I'm very grateful for. And then I got to move on and find more diversity, see more of the world and take that hometown feel with me to a bigger world picture. Um, so to answer your question, I, I kind of fell into theater because I started, my artistic journey was like piano lessons from age seven and I loved them. So I kept going with them and then band started in middle school, totally a French horn player, still a French horn player. Absolutely love it. Band geek all the way. Um, and, and actually was planning for a while to be a band director because I took so much inspiration from my band directors at the time, Jim Meredith at Sandowski middle school and um, Robert Carter and Brian Quakenbush at Heritage high school And I was like, I just, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna inspire other people being a band director. But along the way, there was uh, the Pioneer Theater Program at Heritage High School uh, led by, and still led by Larry Hart uh, was doing Grease my freshman year. And I knew them, my dad had introduced me to to that movie. I had done some like little plays, nothing big when I was in middle school. And I remember thinking, yeah, sure let's just try a play let's go out just for a play and you know not even knowing the difference between play and musical really at this point other than singing or not and i was cast as jan in um uh eating all the twinkies in in greece my freshman year of high school and it was just so much fun and you found this community of people and you start to realize the different personalities that might be drawn to theater versus band or choir and i loved them both so i I kept doing band and drama all through high school Um, but what really kind of, it was very interesting Two experiences happened for me in high school that tipped me over the edge. The first one was I saw a production of showboat, um, two words at, uh, uh, the Kennedy center. That is a reference for anyone who's listening from our, uh, our alma mater, Dr. Tom Albert, uh, who would absolutely say showboat is not one word. You need to spell it with two words. That is the appropriate title of the show
0: no Um, two words oh my god I gotta ask Dr. Albert if he wants to be a guest on the podcast
1: oh absolutely he would be (laughs) incredible um but I saw so I saw it was in the national tour during production how Prince directed it Cloris Leachman may she rest in peace was in it it was and and I was in the top row of the top mezzanine at the Kennedy Center I mean I was as far away as I could be from the stage and I had my little you know binoculars to watch it and I remember at first I was more excited about the overture. Cause again, band geek, French horn player, I'm leaning down to like look into the pit orchestra, but I remember noticing the, the curtain warmers and they were meant to look like the waves of the water and thinking, wow, oh, that's really magical. And then the curtain comes up and this showboat is on stage and the music and the singing. And I was just, I was completely entranced for the entire run of the show. I mean, I couldn't wait for intermission to be over cause I wanted to see act two. And I, you know, it's hard to describe, but it's that moment. It's that theater bug moment where you're like this, I want to do this. Um, But again, you know, I'm young and impressionable. So of course, part of me is like, well, yeah, but yesterday you wanted to, you know, I don't know, be a painter. And the day before that you wanted to be a doctor who knows, but there was just something different. And so I took that feeling and thought, well, I'll just keep doing theater in school for fun. Well, that's what we were doing. And my senior of high school, we did a production of sound of music and I was cast as Maria, and it's so fun. We were a small budget high school theater program. It was not like we didn't, they've grown so much since I was there, but we didn't take necessarily the local shows to any big stages or whatever. It was just right there in the theater, but I can remember sitting on stage for the opening moment that you see Maria in the musical, the version we did, which is, you know, um, I, I can't sing because I'm my poor pregnant voice has lost its voice right now. But, you know, the hills are alive with the sound of music. Right as it starts, and actually the verse before that, but the feeling of that spotlight out of the darkness, starting its little bit of light and knowing that it was, and I say this on, when I say it, knowing that it was on me, not about like, it's me, everybody. It's all about me, me, me. But kind of realizing like, I don't know, it it was the beginning of a story that I got to tell. And I didn't think too deeply in high school yet. I just knew that the feeling was right. And so I had this showboat experience that told me, wow, I really want to do this. And this moment of doing it on a small scale, of course, that just, I, I can still viscerally remember that moment. And so that's what started me. And then I'll nutshell this because <laughs> we don't have a four hour podcast. <laughs> um, but that I, I started actually at Virginia Tech. I had already been accepted as a music education major by the time we were doing Sound of Music. And I remember thinking, oh man, I think I'm supposed to be doing theater. I think this is meant to be different. But I was a kid who wanted to you know, do the right thing. I'd already been accepted to college. So I went to Virginia Tech and I dove headfirst into music ed on uh French horn, just trying to take some voice lessons on the side, which is what I did. Uh, and it was a great program and I loved it so, so much. And I was succeeding at it and I would have been a great band director, I'm sure. Um, but I could not stop that nagging little bug. And when they started making some state budget cuts to the music program, it felt like an indicator to me that maybe this was a chance for me to change course. And so I did. And I, that's when I transferred to Shenandoah University and switched my major to music theater, and did three three full years at Shenandoah, because I took some of my transfer. I had two years at Virginia Tech, and I never looked back. In fact, right after Shenandoah, I had one job at a renaissance fair of all places, uh, but then I had this little graduation quote-unquote nest egg set aside that was called, I called it New Yorker bust. I had two alma mater friends with me, Matt and Rodney from my year, who were moving to New York and needed a third roommate, and I didn't know what I was going to do in New York, but I said yes because that's where the Broadway is, and we moved. And uh, then New York—I was actually in New York for a total of seven years. And I realized during that time that I was—I absolutely loved New York. I still miss it. I, you know, it's, it was so hard for me to leave. I also wasn't ready for New York. I—you realize that everyone who's in New York trying to make it was the lead in their high school play. Everyone did good thing, great things in college and um, I mean I skipped over all the wonderful shows we got to do it in college and one of a turning point for me there was Sweeney Todd as well which taught me I could be funny and who knew that not me um and so you know I, I had all these steps along the way that kind of built me up to do theater and I moved to New York and I don't want to say that New York broke me it did not break me it just taught me so much as it's as it is wont to do um, taught me that I am in fact, not a dancer. I'm an actor who moves well, uh, but you only know that when you first go to your first Broadway dance call and go, oh, oh dub- double or triple? No, thank you. I'll sit this one out, <laughs> um, you know? And, but I, I stayed in New York and I took classes in New York. I took voice lessons in New York. I met agents in New York. I auditioned in New York, got jobs in regional theaters outside of New York, did free theater in New York as many of us do. And met my husband while I was living in New York uh, and we eventually decided there had to be a place we could continue to be performers. He's an actor as well, but maybe where we could, one, afford a little more space and two have some room to grow where we weren't constantly just hitting the pavement or up against the grind. There was active like, oh, I booked this show or I'm doing this job and it was going to keep more forward motion than we had. And that was what led us to find Orlando. And that was, we moved here at the very beginning of 2014 and haven't looked back since.
0: And you've been there ever since.
1: Yeah. And and I just realized talking to you that we're about, I mean, we're now here in the middle of our six years. So I've almost been here as long as I was in New York, which is crazy.
0: Yeah, I know because you were in New York for a long time. And I remember when you decided to move down to Orlando. And And I think a lot of people do that. You know, they try, they go to New York or they go to Chicago or LA or they go somewhere and they're like, you know what? I okay I did this for a while and now it's time to go somewhere else and do something yeah. else and I mean I was in New York for a year and it wasn't even a consecutive it was like I was there for three months and then I left to do a contract and then I came back for six months and then I left to go do another contract and that you know it was like a year but like broken up into chunks sure. of time and then I just started working regionally um, a bunch and I I feel like all of my, tw- it was a solid 10 years of just like amazing. this you, show, the show, the show, show, show. I was
1: always so impressed by your story because that was the downside of if you planted yourself in New York, you often didn't do as much work as people that were just hopping regional work contract to regional contract. So, yeah. you know, you, the only way you learn or figure it out is by doing. So. Right.
0: Right. It's kind of like, you, you only have to sort of take the next right step for yes. you. You don't have to see the whole path.
1: Is it, I'm going to blank on the name. It's the song from Frozen 2. Oh, you're from Frozen 2, yeah. I mean, oh, j- just do the next right thing. That's it, yes. The Whether next- it's coming out of grief or coming from a place of joy, just do the next right thing and that's your career.
0: Yeah, it's, it's like you don't have to see the whole staircase. You just have to take the next nope. just one the next step. step. And then see yeah. and, where, that, where that leads and where that takes you. Well, yes. how has, have you been performing throughout the whole pandemic or, or no, did like the park shut down, right? For a while. The park
1: shut down. Yes. yes. They, they shut back, they shut down and they reopened, um, Universal opened in June and Disney world opened in July. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when Universal reopened, they reopened with, uh, they're all, all, I'm pretty sure all, all their full-time performers, if not all, uh-huh. most of them. Um, I am a, uh, what they, it was considered casual performer or part-time performer at Universal. So um, no, very few to no, no casual performers were brought back when they first opened. They weren't needed. It was also just to try to conserve you know, interaction and numbers. Um, n- now they have started to bring back a few casual performers and more people to help kind of flesh out the ranks, which is wonderful because the thing about Orlando, theme park land, there's so much actual acting work. It's interesting you know the more you after living in New York and and hearing other conversations with actors sometimes it's like oh you're a theme park actor and I do understand where that comes from if you spend your life you know delving into Shakespeare or you know doing pinter plays or whatever but it's the thing is it is legitimate work it's not you know it's not just hey everybody come have a dance party with me you know there are shows that involve sometimes just requires so much stamina or talent that it's amazing so one of the draws of orlando is you can be here and in pre-covid times you could be here and work a bunch of different jobs none of them full-time and i used to i filled my schedule for four years never being full-time doing as many as at one point it was five shows at universal and two shows at disney world and having them all any one of them could call me on any day and i would go work them where I'd, I'd, I'd work my schedule out and everyone used to always say like, how do you make it happen? I was like three calendars, you know? (laughs) Um, but what a gift because I was never bored. My mind was constantly challenged. Um, and I always had work. What has been really devastating down here has been that since the pandemic hit, most people who lived that life have no work because part-time subs as we call them have not been called back to work. I am in a just truly just lucky position that in November of 2019, a spot opened up at the Voices of Liberty and they offered me a full-time contract. I had been full-time briefly for a year prior and then let go. And then this was offered to me again. And I didn't have a show booked. I was coming off of doing a production of John and Jen in the villages down here in Florida. And I was going to be available to start full-time. And I thought, you know, let's, let's just say yes. And The gift of (laughs) the gift of being full time anywhere and then being let go is you start to realize nothing is permanent. Much like that's we all know that in theater. But another danger of theme park work is if you do get a full time job, it can feel like oh great I've made it I can relax I have my job now, but it's not. They're year long contracts and they can always be not renewed. Just like a show can close in New York. And it was so lovely to come back to this with that perspective because I thought great I will take this for as long as it will last this time. And I will challenge myself to improve vocally and challenge myself to just have so much fun. And I did uh, until March 15th of 2020 when the parks shut down. Yeah. So I'm realizing I totally diverted from your question but they did not bring back shows at Disney World. They tried to bring them back at the end of July. And uh, if anybody followed that news story it was quite a pickle of a debate with equity and uh, actors equity and the parks and i will not comment on that one way or the other because there are just i think so much went into that on so many sides and so much beyond what any of us actually got to be at a table to discuss um long search ever was just between a rock and a hard place and we were all 14 shows were called back and then suddenly we were not called back so it's been a slow return but you know Uh, Disney as a company does say they want entertainment back over time. And my show, Voices of Liberty, was recalled on November 15th. So I have been performing since November, uh, which was both wonderful, but also when the next round of like surging in cases started to happen, we're like, what are we doing? Um, But they've been wonderful. Uh, we we, We are in masks for every moment, except when we are on stage. And when we are on stage, we're blocked to always be six feet apart. Um, and it's just been a huge learning curve to answer your question. What it's been like, it's just been a huge learning curve to, to know you can't hug your friends, you know, uh, and, and I do know, we know that it, at home, but like, even at work, like, Oh my God, that was so great. Or to just even try to pat somebody on the shoulder to be like, great solo. And go, no, you don't, you don't do that. Or even on stage to turn and sing to your friend who used to stand next to you and you're, and you realize, I can't turn and sing at them because then I'm spraying aerosol particles at them. So I will look out of the corner of my eye while pointing my mouth forward and smile as big as I can. Um, you know. So, and it's it's been also interesting though to see the audience that does that. We get to see how hungry they are for what we do, and I don't mean just voices of liberty. I mean live performance. I can't wait for Broadway shows to come back and feel the electricity of an audience that is so ready for it. Yeah, regional theater. I mean, I will say there is actually in here in Florida, central Florida, there's a lot of regional theater that is happening. It's just all non-union. So I have not been a part of it as I am an Actors' Equity member. Yeah. Um, and I'll be honest, I would probably go support it if I were not pregnant and therefore a little more high risk. Yeah. Um, but it's happening. It's all masked performances. They are masked. Um, and the audience stays masked and everything so it's just been very interesting to watch it happen very unique to be a part of it but Disney that's the difference and I don't know if I this was pointed out on your podcast at all Disney performers are uh, equity performers are not wearing masks all of the performers at Universal are Hmm. Um, I can't speak as to why that difference occurs I know that at one point I said that they didn't Want to change the aesthetic of Disney Entertainment? Um, it's it's a it's a tough situation when you when you believe in promoting social well being and wanting everyone to do the thing to help each other. But I do think it's sort of because we are taking all the steps to be safe and removed. It's a gift to still be able to communicate with an audience, and then immediately if we are to see them right after the show, we are masked, we are distanced, you know, so to make sure we're still setting that example. Hopefully,
0: yeah. So. How, how did you, did you get your equity card through Disney?
1: I did. I, I got it actually We moved down here. as like I said, in the beginning of 2014. And that was one of the other reasons I had really considered coming down here was I thought, uh, I bet it's a little easier to get hired for Disney if you're local. And that is true because they can hire you part-time if you're local. Um, they won't relocate you if you're not, uh, unless it's a full-time contract from somewhere else. And they had a, uh, holidays around the world was a thing for a while. And they have holiday storytellers in the different countries at Epcot. And I played La Bifana, the Italian Christmas witch. Um, <laughs> I mean, at age, gosh, 27, 28, or whatever. No, 29, 30. Just kidding. Lord, I'm aging myself. But, you know, at 30 years old, I played a, you know, thousand year old witch. Um, but that was my first job at Disney, was doing La Bifana. So it was a seasonal contract, about two months. Um, but that gets your equity card. And there is a gift, uh, Disney will do it. They have an agreement with equity where you can just purchase your membership, um, or just pay dues and you're in with a, I think there's a, but you don't pay the full dues of equity until you have done a actual equity show. So, um, there's a, a wonderful theater down here, winter park playhouse that does, they hire equity performers. Well, have they used to, and everyone's hoping to hire us again once we're allowed to, um, but several theaters down here actually hire equity performers, and I, I got hired to do a show there in 2016. So that is when my full equity membership kind of kicked into effect. But I have been an equity member because of Disney since uh, October of 2014.
0: That's awesome. What what, are some, what do you think that you've really struggled with when it comes to this business and this career?
1: Um. V- I, I my the the words that were about to pour out of my mouth, but I wanted to rephrase them. But I'll say them anyway, because then we can just talk it out. Uh, <laughs> was um, self worth, yeah, and and not so much that I ever doubted Kelly in in my own life. I've always known that you know, luckily, thanks to great upbringing and having great friends and a great husband, and that I am a worthwhile human, you know, but gosh, the amount of times I, oh, I know how to rephrase it. It's imposter syndrome. That's what I like, my gosh, the, once somebody said that name to me, I went, oh, that's it. That's what I deal with all the time. I, even to this day, um, believing that I have tricked everyone somehow into thinking that I'm good at something, you know, or I've, I've fooled everyone and, and on any given day, they're going to realize, man, she can't sing. Wow. She can't act. Um, and the day, and as I continue to get older and acknowledge that I deal with that, that's when you start to realize that will manifest itself, but only because you're thinking that way. You know, I uh, and I I think the most recent example was in the over the past couple of years, in 2019, I actually um I had a polyp on my vocal cords, mm-hmm. and it was so noticeable and just built up from a combination of bad colds and allergies while having to sing all the time that I needed surgery. And gosh, if we all don't immediately think, if you have vocal surgery of Julie Andrews and oh, she lost her voice and it's never the same, and I don't want that, and yada yada yada. But I have a great ENT, and I thought let's go through with it and let's just trust that you know you're gonna, it's gonna fix all your problems. It's gonna fix every vocal issue you had in the past eight years that you've been doing professional theater. Got the surgery, it went fine. Um, and shout out to Dr. Lehman, the Orlando, uh, the Orlando Ear, Nose, and Throat. Um, but what was interesting is it doesn't fix your technique. It fixes your voice. And so when I, I remember doing, I did a a straight play a George Bernard Shaw play right after I healed. And I remember I had a night where I thought, Oh no, I'm straining my voice. and I I can't seem to project. It was an, we were unamplified and then we thought, I can't seem to project. And then I thought. Oh, right. Well, it's because you never actually were a good actor, Kelly. You never actually knew how to do this. And I thought, wait a minute. Where's that voice coming from? And so then what I did is I went and worked with a voice teacher and I said, hold on, just r- refresh my brain. Give me new tools, new tricks. You know, this 35 year old voice is not what a 24 year old voice used to be. And so took that back and then had a very successful run of that show. But there I was in the middle of it thinking you fooled everybody you're not a good actor what are you doing um and then went from that into miraculously booking uh John and Jen which is a two-person musical um at the in the Villages Florida the studio theater in the Villages and that is the to the to to this day the biggest undertaking I have ever done as an actress to it's two people, you know, and essentially, and Jen is even more of a heavier character than John is in terms of the load of the show. And thinking, I just had vocal surgery in May and I'm doing this show in October, what am I doing? I'm, I, I'm, and then of course there's one song that I just couldn't find the right placement for. And I thought once again, you, you know, you fooled them. They thought you were right for the part, but you know what, you're not, you're wrong for the part and, and everyone's gonna figure it out and you're a failure. And it was so interesting. I mean, that was only the end of 2019. And that was so interesting to go through that journey again and think, why do I keep thinking I'm not good enough? Why do I keep thinking I've tricked everyone? And if I had the easy answer to that, I should be a therapist making millions of dollars writing a book. Um, But I think what it was, was just acknowledging it as my struggle, acknowledging that, and my way out of it is, it's, there's no fix. It's more to just remind myself that what I bring to the table is worthy Um, to constantly remind myself that what I bring needs to be truthful. Mm -hmm. And if I, if I bring some, if I bring what I know to be worthy and what I can assure myself and any audience that I'm in front of that, what I bring is truthful, then what I bring is valuable and what I bring is real. And in the same way that, you know, to tie this back into like being pregnant, mothers can't compare themselves to other mothers. Every mom is different. Every story is different. So why should a vocalist compare themselves to another vocalist? My voice is different. My ability to tell a story is different. So that has been my greatest struggle has been the imposter syndrome. And, you know, even now, if I have a bad vocal day, which being pregnant, I have a few more than I care to admit. And I think, I don't, I don't deserve to be in the show. I'm not a good enough singer. What I can't believe I'm performing at Walt Disney world. I'm, I'm so, you know, and then I think, no, 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 You're that your truth right now is that you are a performer who's 33 weeks pregnant and your voice isn't perfect and it's okay. And if that means maybe I don't get renewed for another year, then that's what it means. If it means I am renewed and I have a chance to continue to improve, then that's what it means. Um, so yeah, it's definitely been a journey to get past imposter syndrome and just, and I think the way I do it is to anchor myself in truthfulness.
0: Yeah. Well, and honestly, I mean, 33 weeks pregnant with twins and still performing. I put that into its own special category <laughs> and I personally title that category superhero. <laughs> <laughs> You're so sweet. That is, oh, yeah. that is the, ult, to me, that is like the category that you are in
1: right now. Well, thank <laughs> you. I think it's superhero slash crazy, but you know, we'll <laughs> do it.
0: Well, hey, and and I, um, I think I'm going to do a whole like solo, eventually a whole solo podcast episode of me just talking about my motherhood journey because, yes, like talk about crazy, um, because it was, it was unplanned pregnancy into the journey of having a baby into the journey of losing my mom. I mean, my baby was only 15 months old when my mom passed away Mm. and and that was awful and heartbreaking. And then, and then moving into um, my journey of becoming a single mother, the, all of that happened in less than two and a half years. Wow! In in addition to like, ju- and then just like, oh, just
1: throw in a global pandemic and like, no deal, it's fine with a yeah. toddler, you can do it. Yeah, like yeah. every yeah, this is totally normal. <laughs> but you know what I love about that is that. I mean, not the struggle. I don't love struggle for anybody, but I love the story. Like, oh my gosh, your story is only yours, Sarah. Like I, and what a gift to share it. What a gift to have that story. And it's so funny. Even as I'm doing this right now with you, I go, Kelly, listen to yourself. Look how you're encouraging you are to your friend, Sarah. Why can't you do that to yourself? You know? And, (laughs) and to answer that question, I am actually now better at doing that for myself. It's, but I, I catch it even in that moment where I'm like, so jazzed to like tell you how amazing your story is. And I think, don't forget to tell yourself that too, Kelly. You know, so there, there is the whole circle of life.
0: Yeah, there it is. Um, what do you, like, what advice do you have to give to young performers or people who, you know, want to go into this business?
1: I think to not be afraid of it if in the sense, or, or let me flesh that out don't be afraid to fail at it because that will let you know if it's something for you or not and i think we are so afraid as a society and a very understandably so to fail that we just don't pursue things we might be interested in especially though i mean gosh you know the theater world or art, the artistic world in general it it, it is um it's a more judgmental place because it is a, you're either on the cast list or you're not, you know, you get the thank you that's cold and means please leave the room or you get the thank you. We'll be in touch, but they also don't get in touch. You don't know what happened. You know, you have all this back and forth. You feel so, you feel so judged, even though it's not judged. You're not being judged. It's just, are you right for this? Are you not? It's, it's a little bit of black and white sometimes, but it's black and white based on what one person's opinion was. Um, so all that to say, don't be afraid of failing. Don't be afraid of finding out what this path means for you. Because I think the more you try it, the more, you know, how you fit into it, the more, you know, if you can continue to pursue it. Um, And, and I think also hand in hand with that, to not be afraid to fail. My other advice would be like, oh gosh, just embrace your, Geekdom about anything you love so wholeheartedly. Don't be afraid of being a band geek or a theater geek or or nerd or whatever. Type, I mean, I say geek nerd, whatever title you want to give it, because you can make that word a powerful thing as opposed to a negative. You know, I just think I am an adult that calls myself a band geek, and I say it with pride. Yet, once upon a time in my childhood, it was like I, I'm not a geek. I'm not. I'm not a nerd. Nope. Nope. Not me. And I thought no, you can take away the negative power of words and give them such a positive thing. So that's a, that's general advice. You know, I think there's the other specific piece of advice they often give to anybody that talks to me with, they were like, I don't know if I should go to New York. I don't know if New York's for me or not. I always say that if there's any part of you, this is more theater specific, but if there's any part of you that wonders if New York is for you, then you definitely need to live there at least once, even if it's only for three months. But it's just, that's a city that you, you gotta be in to know it, you know? And, uh, I also think if you just visited, then you'll know. <laughs> I, I remember I took a trip in high school and my dad told me when I came home, he goes, well, we knew you were either going to come home and never want to go back or you were going to want to live there. And I just thought, I don't know how he had that foresight, but he was right. Cause I wanted to live there. And, uh, and then I think by living there, even if it's only briefly, it helps you know if it's the right city for you or not.
0: Yeah, I, right. I think any sort of artistic career or pathway, it's so different, you know, it's such a different thing for everybody. There is no one right path. There is no one, I mean, nope. I the same way. Like I moved to New York, like right after I graduated because I thought that, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. Because, Me too. Yeah, like, like oh, I'm an actor. That's what actors do. They move to New yes. York and
1: like, no. And go, go find the Broadway, Go go get on it. Yeah.
0: yeah. Like there, there's like 50 other choices I, I could have made or, or other places I could have moved or other things I could have done, or, you know, that, that's New York is not the one right path for all actors or no, not at all. It isn't. It is. I just think,
1: but I think, I do think it tells you, and I'm not saying you don't have to go to know this, but if there's a part of you that thinks that like we did the thing, Oh, I have to go to New York. Well, but by going, we learned more about who we were and what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, and, the, and again, that actually would tie right back to what I would say. My advice is don't be afraid to fail. You don't move to, New, don't move to New York without being unafraid to fail because you will eventually fail at something. And it really is more just how you handle those failures. Really, I think is what makes this career kind of so special. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. It sounds so cheesy to say, but I no,
0: I, no, I don't think so. Not at all. Um, it's, it's not about the failure. It's about how you, you know, bounce back from whatever the failure is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not yeah, about I'll falling you down. It's, from it, yeah. it's about getting back up after you fall yeah. down. Absolutely. Always. I tell myself that daily.
1: <laughs> yeah. And actually that would be, if I can add on, the other thing I would say is, uh, you kind of alluded to it. You never know the direction your career is going to go and don't be afraid to follow it. Even though, if, even if it seems like it's, an unexpected direction um and i say that because my story that i really haven't mentioned is also my first job out of college i briefly mentioned was performing at the pennsylvania renaissance fair and i had never been to a renaissance fair i knew nothing about renaissance fairs other than there's probably turkey legs and knights i guess and it ended up being the most amazing job where I learned all these things I never got in college. I had more improv training. I had interactive theater training. I did stage combat. um, And I took all these skills with me, ended up getting called back there for, after going away back to New York for a year, was there for two years in 2008, 2009, where I ended up meeting the man that is not my husband. And we ended up even on our own forming an independent group, a music duo that we now can perform at other Renaissance fairs. And we have a way to make essentially a a musical show together and it's all because i took a job at this strange little quote-unquote theater that i didn't know about called the pennsylvania renaissance fair so it's like just be willing to 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 leap, and the net will appear maybe the net looks different than the net you thought you were going to find but if you leap the net will appear
0: maybe the net is filled with turkey legs you know i mean
1: huzzah yes
0: (laughs) it was i don't know (laughs) So. you know I always uh I think my first year at UBDA and this is just god this is classic you know Sarah 22 year old Sarah if I had to say I always wanted to work at a ren fair or at the lost colony because I'm like mm, this sounds like a, a bunch of burly bearded men's wearing tights or loincloths <laughs> yes. and like singing to me I'm like that sounds like a fun summer <laughs>
1: I listen I will say that that's not an entirely inaccurate description. <laughs> it is I will I will also say to applaud specifically the Pennsylvania Fair and more fairs in general. They're now getting far more diverse with the men that work there, which is wonderful because you now still have all the burly men you want singing to when the tavern, but you also have your English fops and your fabulousness and it's pretty wonderful to see one of the things I ended up loving about the Renaissance Fair is that it is a place that everyone fits in it. You know, you think, Oh no, it's a place that like super nerds fit in. We're like, well, yes. And frat guys and girls and your band geeks and your, I don't know what I am. I just like to live kind of people. It is. It welcomes everybody, families, kids. You know, I, it was, it was just, was the most amazing thing to see. And therefore any actor can work there too. So it was, it was a pretty cool blend of stuff.
0: Yeah. And it's fun
1: so fun <laughs> like,
0: like like when i think of high fun situations obviously the ren fair comes to my that's fun right there and yeah, uh,
1: yeah and your musical duo is called rowan in the rose yes yes we uh we're a, as we call ourselves a geek folk music duo um we but we really we do both traditional kind of irish and english folk tunes as well as original folk tunes but most of our original folk uh is largely written by my husband I'm the, the one that has like the tweaks that make it you know final um but we base it off of you know Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter and Game of Thrones and all different things but um we we don I don I don an Irish accent for the act he dons somewhere between Irish and Scottish and then calls it when he goes I, I'm from Wales and I go oh Wales it's a lovely place and he goes no 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 not Wales the place Wales the animal like Ooh. I'm like oh my god <laughs> Arthur Rowan um but we have a great time together and it's been a real joy to take our interactive backgrounds and our our shared passion for music and have a way to connect um as a couple that's not just like in our house you know we can take it out and spread joy and it really has actually always been our plan B if all of entertainment stopped working for us as as actors we would just probably find a used rv and travel the renaissance fair circuit you know performing so if uh if it takes longer for equity theater to come back than we want these twins might just become little runnies and go with us on the road
0: yeah exactly just take them along with you yeah
1: well it's all right i figure since we're having twins once they get old enough to sing we've just really made ourselves a quartet so it works out fine
0: perfect (laughs) yeah Perfect. Well, how do you want to see the theater world change as we come out of this pandemic?
1: I tell you what's been the most exciting thing for me that's happened during the pandemic is watching the so desperately needed and long overdue awareness for the need of diversity in the theater world. And I am so excited as we come out of this to see that change be put more and more into action. Um, you know, I, I also, there's the other side of it too, would be, you know, watching new kinds of theater happen because we've had to create them due to the limits of the pandemic, you know, theater in parking lots that you drive up to, but it's still theater, it's not a movie, you know, or I, I'm excited to see the different kinds of theater that happen, um, but I'm really excited about the way we've, I mean, and we, I will say as someone who is, as, as, you know, a white woman, are finally opening our eyes and going, wait, this got to change, you know, and that's something I felt passionately about for a while, but now really, yeah, as the phrase goes, um, you know, this is not a moment, this is a movement. And uh, I got involved, there's a, a program down here, at Central Florida uh, Entertainment Advocacy, and we're working with the Central Florida theaters to kind of help create more resources to get actors of color involved in shows. And, you know, you can't claim you didn't have enough actors audition for you, will help you find the actors to audition for you. And, um, you know, and speaking to the theaters that, you know, do a production of something like uh, Sound of Music, but don't have any actors of color in it. And yes, I understand that historically that might not have been the case, but there's really no reason that someone of color can't help tell that story. And, And helping change that mindset, not from a position of shame, how dare you not know, but more from an entertainment uh, educational per, uh, perspective, you know, well, let's talk about, think about what a powerful story could be told, you know, if Captain Von Trapp was someone of color yeah. or, or think of how the story in fact is not affected. If the nuns are all of color, it's still the same powerful story. And for, but, but representation mattering on stage, like, you know, we want more actors of color in the theater So if a young black girl sees a nun who looks like her in The Sound of Music and they go, oh, I can do that show, you know, or a little, you know, Latinx boy, you know, sees a production of In the Heights done, you know, or better yet, sees it just a generic production of The King and I and goes, oh, that guy looks like me. You know, it's so exciting. I mean, I, I think it's why it was so easy for, I'll speak just for myself, but for me as a white woman to get into theater, I saw myself on stage all the time you know, uh, right. leading ladies or funny gals or whatever. And I, so that is what I'm really, I think the most jazzed about is, is to hopefully be a part of that, be not, not just an ally in a sense of, yeah, I believe in it, but more actively encouraging that actively kind of lovingly pointing it out when it's not happening to encourage awareness of it. Um, and then to add, so with that awareness and more diversity happening, that actually allows us to do more theater. And then we have these new options that we found because of the pandemic, you know, whether that is interactive walkthrough theater experiences. So no one's in the building for too long, or, um, you know, like I said, parking lot theater, which I saw at one point in June, it was like, Oh, this is, this isn't perfect yet, but this is cool. You know? So that's what I'm, I'm just, I'm excited. I, I think there's a new face to theater that is, is, emerging and I hope it continues and I'm certainly going to do my part to see that happen
0: yeah me too well I feel like the last question that I always ask people is do you have a favorite theater memory or story that you I mean I'm sure you have so many but if you I know pick, if you had to pick one to sort of leave our <laughs> listeners with
1: God, I know you, you you prepped me with that question and I was like oh no which one do I pick <laughs> um uh gosh
0: okay uh, well I'll do you want me to I'll say my a quick one that involves
1: yours and then I'll decide yes
0: okay so this uh two words white Christmas (laughs) oh my gosh and step
1: in roll
0: (laughs) this was so long ago this was what
1: 2010? 2010 yes
0: 2010 and in the episode where I interviewed um, Ben Luzak we talk about this memory as well because he was also in that show it was the craziest thing I was not supposed to be in this show at all I was I was living in New York at the time and my my good friend Ben said hey Sarah why don't you just take the mega bus come down come see me in Susicle for like literally 24 hours and then go back to New York like just get out of the city for like a day Oh my gosh. And I said, you know what, Ben? That sounds like a great idea. So I packed a backpack. I think I maybe had like two changes of clothes and pajamas and that was it. And that's all I had with a backpack. Got down, saw the show. And it just so happened that the day that I got there- (laughs) That was the day? It was that day. Yeah, like the day that I got there, the performer, the lady who was supposed to be playing the innkeeper, she just quit and said- I and left i can't do the show and white christmas was opening in five days
1: oh it was a week it was a week away i remember it's like
0: five days and so um they had me i was just hanging around and they were like why does sarah do you want to audition for this part i was like what i don't really know this show at all i'm i'm like way too young to play this part and so I said, "Sure, okay." I learned the song. I came in, I sang it, and Mr. Herman was like, "Well, Sarah, you got you want to can do? You think you can learn it in five days?" I was like, "Of course I can. Sure, why not?" And wow. you, me, and Robin Higginbotham we yes. worked so hard together, and you know you guys caught me and then I did, they just threw me into the show and then you were amazing
1: you were you too you stole the show it was amazing <laughs>
0: thank you so good and then all of a sudden I was like oh okay um I I guess I'm in white Christmas now
1: <laughs> yes playing an older woman great no problem thank you old age makeup Yes, yeah, I think I
0: was like 23 playing a yeah. role that's usually supposed to be in her like- 50s
1: easily in it but it was great you were you had all the sass that was needed it was so perfect and i did not realize it was that crazy of a turnaround i was just like oh sarah i know her this will be great but that is hilarious uh okay so you've reminded me i've decided based on your story um i worked at a theater that is sadly no more but for a long time the arundel barn playhouse in arundel maine Mm -hmm. near kenny bankport for anybody that knows the area i was there in 2011 I did a a summer stock run there and we did Crazy for You, uh, Wizard of Oz into Taffeta Wedding. Well, Wizard of Oz, I was the Wicked Witch of the West and bless their sweethearts. They had just not much budget. And as often cases, non-equity summer stocks don't. And I like my makeup for, again, Wicked Witch of the West you have literally the scene of one tornado to transition from Elmira Gulch into the Wicked Witch Quest. <laughs> and by a scene of a tornado, I mean like <laughs> a bully of a house and a bike and a tornado going across the top of the stage. So yeah. approximately, I don't know, three minutes, four, five minutes. I don't know. It was like half a scene in that. Well, they gave me a tube of green Halloween paint, like the, like that you get at Walmart. And I was like, this isn't gonna, no, this isn't gonna work. So I decided for love of the craft that I would buy my own stuff and I call I went on bennye.com and I got my green, you know, face cake makeup and I bought a prosthetic witch nose. Cuz I was like this is she's got to look amazing. Yes. So I I bought the nose and the, uh, the spirit gum to put it on. And and sure enough, I pulled it off and I mean for the budget that we had, I felt like I looked pretty darn good. And such a fun role to play because it's just the musical version is, she's just a, she's kind of like a delightful, almost side comic to the crowd. And so I, you know, the first scene you come on and you're talking to Dorothy and you're having so much fun just scaring her. Well, see the other thing about Maine that I learned because I'd never lived or worked in Maine prior to that summer is that most places don't have air conditioning because they don't need it. They like summer highs are like upper 70s. Well, and now to be fair, the Arundel Barn Playhouse did have like a large, it was in a barn and it had a large wall unit just to cool down the barn that they'd run like a couple hours before the show. It could run during the show, but usually they didn't need it to. Well, we had a string of, three or four days of 98 degree weather yeah so I mean after housing we're in like the farmhouse next door we're all dying with fans on us we're running through sprinklers at midnight they did cancel like yeah they they did cancel one show because it was just too hot but then we had to do some of these shows when the evening temps were like low 80s but it's in a barn that had like absorbed the heat of the day and they they tried running the ac but like it could only do so much So of course we're just pouring sweat and, but, you know, I mean, love a theater. the show, the show must go on. And I know that's maybe an adage that we're all learning. Maybe we can address that a little bit in the future, but we're going to do the show. So I'm backstage and I'm doing the transition. and, And of course the transition is fast anyway. So you're already trying not to sweat in normal life. And I, you know, I put on face makeup and I, 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 I'm doing this as if your viewers your listeners can see me like, you know, doing my makeup, but, and I put on the nose and, you know, the kicker is with spirit gum, you got to use enough to hold, but not so much that it's goopy and won't hold. Well, this was maybe a night that I might've used too much. I don't know. So I, but it's there and I would always hold it in place, like making sure it was held in place until the second I was going on stage. So I had all the time I could. Oh, so I go on stage and I can tell from the moment I get on stage that I am too hot. This thing is not securely on my face, but I'm like, Nope, it's fine. Just don't don't move your nose too much when you emote right now. You know, so it's kind of like, if you could have seen my face, I feel like I would have looked like the Wicked Witch of the West had a cold because she couldn't move her nose, it's fine. (laughs) And uh, well, so I I go into the scene and and halfway through the scene, I feel the edge of it peel off one side of my nose, but it's still attached up and over the bridge and on the other side. So I just decide that I will now do the show in profile so that no one can see the side of my nose that's no longer attached because also keep in mind that underneath this nose is not a green painted nose it's just my nose and so then and then as I keep going pacing profile I feel the other side start to peel oh no and I'm like it's fine it's still attached at the top if I just don't move my cheeks and I start to speed up my lines we're almost there we've got like five more lines to go (laughs) I'm I'm approaching the point at which I need to go. And and I I don't remember enough of the lines now to tell you where the scene usually went to, but it was sort of like, and you left a dog too. And then you were off. But (laughs) I hadn't gotten there yet. And then I start to feel the tip of the nose peel forward. And I know it's visible because it what the the tip-off for me was the front two rows of audience started quietly snickering <laughs> and I was like oh no okay it's too late and and you know again this is when I have started to learn to embrace truthfulness is better than like awkwardly pretending because everyone can see what's happening and so as soon as it did that I said and for my next trick and then I just ripped it off and I went my nose <laughs> and then I ran off stage I mean because it, it worked whatever the line was I mean essentially it was like and, I, and I'll get you and for my next trick my nose and that was my exit <laughs> uh, and that was i just and you know they laughed and a huge laugh from the audience and then i had a long scene that i could reapply and just act like you know it was a fun trick and there's non-union summer stock favorite memory for you
0: <laughs> that is so funny <laughs>
1: like like what a great story and for my next trick my nose oh who knows <laughs> I should say that right before I deliver twins. And for my next trick, twins!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, and listeners, when you are listening to this episode, I'm pretty sure those twins will be out into the world.
1: That is so crazy. Well, I can't wait to welcome them and listen to this all put together. And Sarah, thank you so much for having me and for being a voice of... Of theater and show people for all of us in this time that's so crazy for so many.
0: Oh my goodness. No, thank you. Thank you. So, I mean, when I had reached out to you and asked if you wanted to be a guest, I literally said, Super Kelly, we can record this, you know, before the babies are, we can record it in a year from now. We could, like, I gave you lots of options because. I just you know i I know
1: <laughs> I have, so sweet, yes, I, have, I just had a feeling it might be simpler to try to pull this off when there weren't two small humans making noise around me, so
0: yeah, 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 well, and that's why I record at night a lot of the times because that's when my daughter is asleep, and that's when I know we're gonna have nice and peace and quiet for rec- for
1: recording. so smart, smart mama you are.
0: Yeah. So it is so gracious of you to record with me late at night. And, um, I just think the world of you and I know you're going to be such a fantastic mom and I can't wait to see
1: those beautiful babies. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate it. And thanks to all of you listening out there. This has been a treat.